0: Section 94 of Curiosities of Street Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mark S. Logan Jr. Curiosities of Street Literature by Various, Division 4, Part 29: The Trial, Character, Confession, Behavior, and Execution of Alice Holt in Front of Chester Gould This Day for the Wicked Murder of Her Own Mother. This day, the extreme sentence of the law was carried into effect on Alice Holt, at Chester Goal, for the murder of her mother by poison. The evidence at the trial showed that prisoner, her mother, and a man named Holt, with whom she cohabited, lived together at Stockport. In February last, the deceased, Mary Bailey, was taken ill, and the prisoner insured her life for 26 pounds, at a premium of six pennies per week. She induced a woman named Betty Wood to personate her mother before the doctor, telling her that the agent said anyone would do. The proposal was accepted by the Wesleyan Assurance Society, and from that time the mother became worse. Prisoner called in the parish surgeon and the infirmary visiting officer, both of whom were ignorant of the other's visits, and complained of their medicine not being given. On the night of the twenty-fifth and twenty-sixth the prisoner bought some arsenic, a quarter of a pound each time which she put in a jug with some boiling water, and sprinkled about the room where her mother lay to kill vermin. The night of the twenty-sixth, deceased had some brandy and water, and complained of grounds being at the bottom. Prisoner said, You ought to have drunk grounds and all. Mary Bailey died in the morning with all the symptoms of arsenical poison, and was buried. The personation came to the ears of the office, and the body was disinterred when it was found perfectly fresh, but saturated with arsenic of which no less than 160 grains were found in the stomach and adjacent parts. The unfortunate woman was not tried at the summer eyes in consequence of her being in the family way. The child has since been adopted by Holt's uncle, the only person who has since visited her since during her imprisonment. She has been sullen and strongly protested her innocence. Confession On Sunday, the prisoner made the following statement. On the Monday before Mother died, I brought the insurance paper home, insuring my mother's life for twenty-six pounds and mine for twenty-eight pounds. He then proposed I should give her some charcoal and put it under Mother's bed alight when she was asleep, and she would never wake more. On Wednesday night, Holt and I never went to bed. He said it would be a great releasement if she was in her grave, and he would buy me some stretch-nine if I gave it to her. I said, "That'll be found out, he said. They cannot find it out by that. I said, Thou hast brought me to destruction, and now thou wants to bring me to the gallows. He then beat me. In the beer of which I spoke, I saw, after my mother had drank it, a quantity of blue arsenic grounds. I said, Thou hast given my mother arsenic. He said, If thou tell aught, I will have thee up for defrauding the insurance, and said, Nobody will believe but what thou hast done it thyself. This was the only arsenic mother ever had. Another statement was afterwards made by the prisoner. THE EXECUTION Took place this morning. When near the drop her courage failed her, and she was half-dragged, half-carried to the scaffold. On the platform she fell on her knees, and moaned piteously, The Lord have mercy upon me, which she continued to do whilst Calcraft pulled the bolt. The drop fell, and the culprit was launched into eternity before a great many people particularly women folks. Copy of Verses A dreadful case of murder, such as we seldom hear, committed was at Stockport, in the county of Cheshire, where a mother named Mary Bailey, they did so cruelly slaughter, by poison administered all in her beer, by her own daughter. The daughter ensured the life of the mother, for twenty-six pounds at her death. Then she and the man that she lived with determined to take away her breath. And when Betty Wood represented the mother, she didn't act with propriety, for the poor mother lost her life, and they all swindled the society. Now that the old gal's life insured, Holt to the daughter did say, Better in the grave, she were immured, and the money will make us so gay. Now that you have got me in the family way, and from me my virtue you've wrung, you'll never be a happy day till the gallows I'm hung. She laid a plan to murder her, as we now see so clear, to put a quantity of arsenic into her poor mother's beer. To see her lay in agony upon that dreadful night, with a dreadful dose of arsenic, oh, it was a dreadful sight. She lived but just six hours, then the poor woman did die, and this base murdering wretch the dreadful deed did deny. On the man holt she laid the blame, vowed he did her mother slay. Holt on her did the same, saying she took the mother's life away. The father of her unborn infant, whom she vowed to love most dear, and when confined in prison, she was overcome with fear. She made a rambling statement about the arsenic in the beer, laid all the blame on Holt and Betty Wood, expecting four to get clear. But there's no doubt the base wretch did her poor mother slay, for which on Chester's scaffold her life did forfeit pay. So all young women, a warning take by this poor wretch you see, a hanging for the mother's sake on Chester's fatal tree. W. Smith, Printer, Chester. Cruel and inhuman murder of a little boy by his father, committal of the prisoner. On Monday morning, a cruel and inhuman murder was committed by the father on a child aged six years in Neal's passage, Seven Dials. The father has been separated from his wife for some time, and the boy has been brought up by its maternal grandmother, a poor old woman. The child being an unusually intelligent and nice-looking boy was a great favorite with the grandmother and an aunt who lived in the same room. It appears the mother had been living with another man as his wife, and the father also had formed an illicit connection with another woman. The poor boy had consequently become a source of trouble to both of them, although the merest trifle was required for its maintenance. On Sunday evening, the father, Geoffrey, called at the grandmothers for the boy. She asked him what he wanted with the child, but he became very violent, ordered the child to dress himself, and swore that he would do for her and the child too, if she did not mind. Geoffrey then went to his sister in White Lion Street, taking the child with him, and asked for a bed. He was accommodated with one and went to the bed with the boy, but two o'clock in the morning he rose and took the child away. He could not have walked many yards away, for Neil's passage, where the body of the deceased was found, is close at hand. The child was found suspending from projecting beam or bracket in the cellar, to which all the residents had access for water, etc. Horrible as it seems, it is apparent from the condition of the body that the cruel father tied its hand behind and literally enacted part of the executioner of his own child, holding its legs and forcing down its body to complete the strangulation of the poor boy. The child remained in this position till about half past six o'clock, when it was seen by a girl who had occasion to go to the cellar, and who gave the alarm. dr Harvey, the parish surgeon, attended directly, and pronounced the child to have been dead about three or four hours. dr Lancaster, the coroner, held an adjourned inquest on Wednesday, and there being no further evidence, the jury returned a verdict of wilful murder by hanging and suffocation of Richard a Jeffrey, by his father, john r Jeffrey. The prisoner was examined at Bow Street yesterday and committed to Newgate. You kindest fathers, tender mothers, to this sad tale, oh, list a while. Hark you, sisters too, and brothers, to a murder on the seven dials. Such a crime indeed. No, never, its baseness I can scarce reveal. In Neil's passage, Earl Street, seven dials, in St. Giles and the fields. In all your troubles and your trials, you never knew, as I reveal, such a murder on the seven dials, in St. Giles in the Fields. In Earl Street lived a wretch named Jeffreys, who a tailor was by trade, we find. A sad, a base, and cruel villain, wickedness ran in his mind. A child the villain ought to cherish, his offspring which he should adore. Seventeen weeks ago he left him at his old grandmother's door. His little boy, named Richard Arthur, by the wretched father, we are told, was cruelly and basely murdered, the child was only seven years old. The villain took him to a cellar, resolved his offspring to destroy, tied his little hands behind him, and hanged the pretty, smiling boy. Vengeance against the boy, he threatened, determined for to take his life, and to commit the dreadful action, he often did produce a knife. T'was his only child, he had no other a rogue ingrained devoid of fear. He'd been separated from the mother of the little boy for three long years. The grandmother, his mother's mother, her little grandchild long did keep, receiving nothing from the father for the space of seventeen long weeks. And then the villain did demand him. He clandestinely took him away. That fatal evening, he determined, was his little boy to slay. Then he to the cellar took him his heart was harder far than steel. The wicked, base, inhuman monster, his actions no one can reveal. His only child, to hold beside him, with rope he bound his little hands. When behind his back he placed them, he in the cellar did him hang. He flew, but justice close pursued him, and taken he has been we see. When tried, no doubt, they'll find him guilty, and he'll be hanged on Newgate's tree. Hanging is too good for such a villain, he who would his flesh and blood destroy. The child, we are told, was six years old, a pretty little prattling boy. We all have got our cares and trials, and unto fate compelled to yield. This deed was done on the seven dials, in St. Giles in the Fields. H. Disley, Printer, 57 High Street, St. Giles, London. End of section 94 Recording by Mark S. Logan Jr.